But Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 1, we saw Philip last week. He was on, remember what road he was on? South Desert Road. Well, here we go. The Lord's got another road on our story today. This is the road to Damascus, or the Damascus Road. We talk about this. Here's another road, and it's actually leading from Jerusalem once again. Remember what the Great Commission, when, when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where it was going to start. Is that where it started? Absolutely. And then to Judea, Samaria, and to where? United States of America, right? We're at the end of the world for them, right? And now we're taking the gospel full circle all the way back. Watch this. This is how awesome it is. And there's this one character, this, this scandalous character named Saul. He thinks he's doing the work of the Lord, but what is he doing? In, he's actually coming into place, and he's actually causing disruption in the church. He's breathing murderous threats against the church. Well, my first question on your notes is, how can a person be converted? How can a person be converted? What's the answer? Only by the grace and mercy of God. Is that true? Well, how does it happen? The answer is, I don't know. I'm not God. How does God save a sorry sinner like you and a sorry sinner like me? Because you know who you are when the lights go out, right? You know who you are whenever you have those thoughts to yourself. You know what you've done, whether you got caught doing it or not, whether you've had an arrest record or not. You know you, and I know me. We know that we're sinners deserving of hell for eternity, right? Because we're no good. We came from our mother's womb, born into sin. Therefore, we are sinners. Just like we're humans, we're sinners. We get to this place having nothing to offer God, having nothing to give God, and yet here comes Saul. Saul grew up in an affluent family, and he's we're going to talk about his conversion, what it looks like. We'll start this week and actually finish next week. This is the part one. So the question is, how is a person converted? Only by the grace and by the mercy of God. How does God take a sinful soul and transform it? The answer is, I don't know. Only by his grace and by his mercy. We're going to have to stand before his throne one day, and hopefully we have these great conversations. Now, we, we will be saved, we'll be glorified, we'll be standing in his presence, we'll be part of his body, of, of the bride of Christ. So we'll have the answers, but can you only imagine being around his throne and telling him thank you? How long would you sing thank you and holy, holy, holy? How long will we tell him how great he is? We'll even get a chance to even talk to Saul, who later becomes Paul. In our sermon today, we're going to look at Saul. He's a perfect picture of God's great grace and his mercy. He even says so himself. We'll see that in just a moment. But number one, if you're taking notes, listen. I want you to see this, that Saul continued to rage against the church. We're going to look at the, the word, and then we need to backtrack to Acts chapter 8, and then we need to go forward to 1 Timothy. So we've got to do a little bit of walking today, so make sure you've got your fingers ready to walk through the word of God. Chapter 9, verse 1. And then Saul, still breathing threats and murder, murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now, the author of this book is who? Who wrote the book of Acts, we think? Dr. Luke, okay? So who does he call the followers of Christ? He calls them Christ's disciples. There's two names for us here in this word, for you and for me today. We are disciples of Jesus Christ, of the Lord. And he went to the high priest, verse 2. And he asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus. So that if he found anyone who were of the way, there's another name for us, we're people of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he, became, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Or better yet, it was, why me? In the original, do you persecute? It was very much 
focused on the me, on Jesus. And he said, who are you, Lord, or who are you, sir? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads, or in your, your translation might say the pricks, or you might have a little note that says this is not in some of the original manuscripts. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 6, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, and the, man who, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. I want you to see this in the Word of God there. We're going to see this is a historical narrative from the Word of God. This is a truth how God works today. But I hope that you can see yourself in this narrative as well because I hope that it doesn't take you getting thrown into the Damascus General Hospital for you to actually make a turn to the Lord. Amen? How many times has God laid somebody out on their back to make them look straight up so that he can actually get their attention? Maybe you? Me? He's come to the place where you've lost everything. Financially, your health is wiped out. You have nothing else to do. And the only thing you can do, if you will do, is turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will still do it. Listen, he worked this way in the New Testament. He will still work that way today. If you want to be a hardhead, my dad used to say it, a hardhead makes a soft rear. Right? Because you just pound it out and it'll come out. The foolishness will come out eventually. I want you to see that number one, Saul continued to rage against the church. Go back, if you would, to chapter 8. We'll look at that together. Chapter 8, verse 1. We've already covered this territory, but we need to see it again because he hadn't stopped. Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. We see the devout men carry Stephen's body away, but look at verse 3, if you would jump to verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Saul was no respecter of person. You say that you love Jesus, he's going to put you under arrest. And he's even going to see to it that you can actually get to the worst part of the prison, He's going to see to it that you actually are going to potentially face death sentence for following this fake Messiah, so he thought, and so he proclaimed. Saul thought he was doing the work of God. Do you know people like that today? They think they're doing the word of God, doing the work of God, and they are in everybody else's business. They're so far in the way of God that they're a stumbling block for the word of God. There's preachers who stand in pulpits. There's people who actually get in the way, and they, want, they block God instead of actually allowing God to be seen through them. Uh, they say things, they lead people, they say you don't have because you don't ask, but you don't ask because you don't have it in faith. And when you don't have it, then they say it's your fault. You ever come to that place where your faith has been tested? You've asked for something for so long, and then someone that is religious get in your way and say it's because of, and they fill in the blank, and they don't know your whole story. They don't know the back story. They don't know that God's actually using your circumstance to get you closer to him. They'll try to get you out. As humans, what do we try to do? When someone has something, what do we do? Lord, take it away. The first thing we pray is, Lord, get me out of this. Is that true? We should be praying, Lord, see me through. Because I know you got something on the other side. And during the process, I'm growing and I'm maturing as a Christian. Saul is going to see this as well. He came through. He thought he was doing the Lord's work. He was the Old Testament Pharisee, New Testament Pharisee, because he crossed over. He thought he was doing the Lord's work. Except there was one thing he had in his life. You know what it was? He was a prideful man. And so when you come to the place, if you're not careful when you're in, in the leadership position, or when you're in a family situation, 
You can be so prideful that you think you're right all the time, even when you're wrong. Saul came to this place. He knew he was right. He was raging against the church. This was Saul's sin of choice. What's yours today? What's your sin of choice? Well, pastor, I just have to do this. Pastor, I have to do that. The internet just kind of hooks me. I can't get away from this. I just waste my whole day playing these silly games. I, I look at this stuff. I read this stuff. I just can't get away from it. There's professionals in our town that I've dealt with, especially one day I was pulling out of the, the front driveway. Car slides in front of me. Lady jumps out and says, you've got to come now. And there's two ladies in the car, and I'm like, come where? You've got to come to my house. And this lady's crying and weeping, and I'm like, how can I? And I, know, I knew the lady from a professional relationship, and um, so I, I, as long as there's three of us, we'll go, right? I won't go anywhere with a woman by myself other than my wife or my mother or sister. So uh, there was two ladies, so I followed them, and we went to a place nearby, and the woman went into her chair and just sat and started just sweating crocodile tears, like, like crocodile tears, but sweat coming out of her face and going, there's a spirit in this house. And she, and she was panicking. She was going through, and she's like, I can't get away from this spirit. And it was quiet. It was cold. And you get those cold chills. You, listen, if you've had this encounter, it, it blows your mind. When you hear it, it's going to say, well, yeah, right, Pastor. But I'm telling you, it happened within a mile of this place. Crazy things were happening. She was saying crazy things. And I said, listen, come back and focus on me. Get back to Jesus. Have you ever given your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? And she said, I did. I've given my life to Christ when I was 18. And then, and then she would clam up and she would be sweating and crying and, and this, this awful, distorted face. She, it was amazing to see what was happening with this woman. Now, listen, I was praying as I went on that way. And I said, listen, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want you to come to the place and look at me. And I want you to focus on what Christ has done for you. Are you sure that you've given your life to Christ? I'm absolutely sure I've given my life to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I want to whatever's offending you. Listen, I know there's a demon, there's something in this place. And we pray through. Now, I'm a firm believer that when you give your hard life to Jesus Christ, a demon cannot possess a Christian. But a demon can oppress a Christian because we Christians are hardheads sometimes. And we give ourselves over to demons instead of actually giving ourselves over to the Lord. I said, is there anything in your house that you've brought from overseas that was dedicated to witchcraft, voodoo, or whatever. Is there anything that you've been reading that's in your house? Well, come to find out her neighbor behind her actually was a prince of some witchcraft and had given her books on witchcraft and had invited her to read them. And she'd begin reading them, and she's been reading them for several months. And I said, what you've done, you've invited that demon. Because I believe there's demons who still cruise around this place because demons can't die. They're still cruising around the place hanging out, waiting for someone to make that invitation or waiting for that door to walk in. And how many times, especially with our devices today and our computers, are we opening that door for Satan just to enter into over and over and over again? We prayed through, we, we prayed through the blood. We destroyed all those things that were in the house. We called on God to actually do a miraculous work that only he could do. And he brought calm to the situation. He brought restoration to that situation. But I tell you, listen today, Christians can be, if you're not careful, you can be led astray by something that seems like it's more powerful than the Holy Spirit. You'll see something that's more interesting than just going to church or, or singing hymns or singing songs. It's, it's more exciting. because Sometimes we just want excitement. We want the thriller. We want the thriller effect on all of life. So I'll come to this place. He's reaping, uh, wreaking havoc against the church. Look at verse 2 in chapter 9. Saul targeted only people of the way. There were a lot of pagan people in next door to Saul. 
Saul didn't say anything to those people. He actually passed through towns that were pagan towns to get to Damascus. From Jerusalem down to Damascus or back up north to Damascus was about a 150-mile journey. For 150 miles, Saul can't think of anything but persecute the church of those that are mixing with the Jews in the synagogues. We're going to get them. Today's called the Lord's Day. That's what it's called in, in Christian, uh, historical Christianity. What day would the Christians, Christian Jews, be worshiping? Sunday, the Lord's Day, because the Sabbath was Saturday. So the Jews worship on Saturday, but what day did the Jews who had received, the Messianic Jews, what day did they worship? They went to the time of prayer with their friends because they were praying to God, but their worship was on Sunday. Where would you find them? They didn't have their own places. They didn't have enough money for their own place yet. Where would you find them? You'd find them meeting in the synagogue, the small place. The synagogue was not the temple. It was a place of meeting is all it was. They would use the place of meeting. So Saul knew who they were. He knew where they were, and he couldn't wait to get there. He's on his way. He's breathing threats. He said, if I find one man, if I find one woman, I'm telling you they're going to prison. I'm going to see if I can actually get the maximum penalty and the death penalty put against them for blasphemy. They're following this man called Jesus, this man of the way. And by the way, just as it's ironic for us, but look at the Jesus said in John 14, 6 when he told his disciples, I am the truth, the life, and the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Saul knew that. Saul, remember, he went back, he heard Stephen preach. He took, Stephen took him all the way back, way back to the days, the old days. He brought him all the way back to a history lesson, told him about what God was doing, told him that God, Moses said, God's sending another one like me, but yet he's the, he's the Messiah. He told him. He heard the gospel. He was an intellect. Well, listen, he had his PhD or more than one. Paul was a smart man. He'll tell us about himself. If we keep reading the word, we'll get to it. But he comes to this place that he's hunting those of the way. Saul targeted only people of the way. He asked the highest religious authority for permission to hunt the followers of Jesus. That's who people of the way are. Look at number three. Well, on his way to Damascus, the hunter became what? The hunted. Who was looking for Saul? Jesus was looking for Saul. And Jesus got the big guns. Isn't that right? You ever come to that place? We used to think we were something big, the Spruance class destroyer. We were something special. We had all these different weapons on board. It was pretty awesome. I, I was feeling pretty cocky when I was a sailor on board. Knew we could protect anybody. We can get subs. We can get aircraft. We can get anybody. But we started running out of fuel during the Gulf War, and they sent a carrier by, and we had to unwrap right with a carrier. We had to replenish with a carrier, and we pulled up beside that carrier. It was like a little bitty toy boat. Our boat was like a little toy boat compared to the carrier. And I'm on the bridge. I'm on the top listening, and we're talking to the, the, the bridge the bridge, and these A6s are taking off, F-14s are taking off, and every time it just thundered, just the thunder would blow. You could feel the force and the sound. It was deafening. And so my attitude changed a little bit when I realized there was much bigger guns out there on the ocean than just our little destroyer. But I had pride up until that point. I had a little bit of pride. It, it knocked me all the way down seeing what was on that carrier and how much faster that carrier was than us. It was humbling, but that was for a young man. Listen, we come to the place. Saul is to the place. He's got all the authority of the big guns, so he thinks, but he didn't realize he's the hunter who's being hunted. God humbled him. He humbled Saul so he would listen. Saul was brought low for a season so Jesus could pick him up in due season. Don't miss that. God brought him, listen, he brought him low for a season. Where was he? On his back, right? 
He's blinded. He can't see. He opens his eyes. He sees no one. God brought him low for a season. Why? So that he would pick him up in due season. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever read the book of Romans or had any verses memorized in Romans? Raise your hand. Anybody? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. That was the man who God used to write those words. He's persecuting. If he came in today, he would arrest all of us today if he was still Saul, breathing threats, murderous threats against men and women because we're people of the way. Yet, watch what God's going to do. God smacks him down. God brings him low for a season so that Jesus can pick him up in due season. Number four, I want you to see this. Number four, verses six through nine. Saul's experience with Jesus forever changed his life. He would never be the same again. Let me ask you this. Let me just share this with you this morning about how my personal encounter with the Saul who later became the Apostle Paul. It was through the preaching of the word of God in Romans 3, 23, when, when Paul wrote down because he heard from the Holy Spirit and he wrote down on, 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 on pen and paper and he came to the place and said, listen, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is that you and is that me? That's how we understand through this very man who was, listen, he was rebelling against Christ himself, but he pins it because he heard what Jesus said and he said, okay, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you think he thought about himself? We're going to read in a couple weeks that Paul's going to turn right back around. He's going to come back to Jerusalem. Now think about this spot. You ever had that encounter with Jesus Christ? Do you remember when you were saved? If you're saved? Some of you might not be saved. You've never had that encounter. But do you remember where it happened? You might not know the date. Mr. Me and Mike were talking about this morning. He found his Bible uh, when he was saved. He's got a date in his Bible when he was saved. You might not know the time exactly. You say around about this time. But do you remember the place? You remember when you actually stopped and gave your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? That place is not necessarily just a holy place. It is for you because that's where you had an encounter with God. But listen, when you come to that place, when he, he came back to Jerusalem, listen, he's going to come back later. You think he thought about that place where he hit the ground? Because he knew where he was. He was well seasoned. And the men that were with him, listen, they knew where he was. My life was changed because Paul penned Romans 3.23 because God said so. My life was pen, uh, changed because Paul penned Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's only through the way. Paul became a man who was a follower of the way. Listen, in that due season when he came up, he started writing scripture just as Christ called him to. Some people today are, are announcing this, and I had a conversation with a pastor in town, and and he said, well, Clint, I believe that you could actually come to the place where you, you, you ask Jesus to be your Savior, and then later he becomes your Lord. You, you allow him to be your Lord. I said, do you teach that to your church? He goes, yeah, that's what I believe deeply. That's what I teach. I said, no wonder we can't change this place for Jesus Christ. What a foolish thing to say is that you're going to let Jesus be your Lord. Do you understand? you know what the word Lord means? Even in little case L, in, in more English territories, if you were the Lord, you own it all, right? You have to ask the Lord of the estate, may I have this, may I do this, or he'll tell you yes or no. But the capital L-O-R-D is the Lord of all the universe, who created the universe. How can you allow him, Lord, uh, uh, Jesus, one day I'm going to make you Lord when it's convenient for me. How foolish can you possibly be 
to say that that's a man of God who's, who's well-educated, who's been on the mission field, and now has come back, and he's teaching that foolishness, heresy, in our town. You say, why is that heresy, Pastor? Maybe it's just you should have a difference of belief. Would you go with me to Romans chapter 10? I want you to show you something. What Paul said. Every time we have a discrepancy, every time we have a disagreement, let's go back to the Word of God. Amen? And sometimes there's those things we don't fully understand in God's Word. We have to scratch our head and say, listen, that's a gray area that we don't fully know. But otherwise, listen, 99.9% of the Bible is pure black and white. You can read it off the pages yourself like the morning news. Go back to Romans chapter 10. Look at what the Word says. Romans chapter 10, let's pick up in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, watch this. I want to show you how advanced this is. Would you take your index finger and just point to your mouth? You don't have to touch it because of COVID-19. You don't want to get that, uh, all right? But would you just point to your mouth? This is how elementary God makes the gospel and why we make it so stinking advanced. Listen, I don't understand it. It's amazing. His grace and his mercy points and says, listen, if a man will come to this place or a woman, watch this, that if you, man or woman, boy or girl, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be, what church? Saved. And that means saved forever. That's the John 3.16, saved. That's the, for God so loved the world, saved. That he gave his only begotten son, saved. That whosoever believes in him, saved. Will not perish, saved, but have everlasting life, saved. That's the saved that Paul is talking about here. That's eternity. Watch what he says. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. That means you're made right with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between, uh-oh, here we go. we got a race issue right here in the Bible. What is it? There is no distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. And the Gentiles are all the folks that have dark skin color from African descent, all the Europeans, right? Because we're going to see that uh, even Peter's going to be talking to Cornelius shortly. It's amazing the timing that we're in this Word of God, that we can actually see his Word, that God brings salvation to all people. Because who's your granddaddy? Amen? Who's your granddaddy? Adam. We go back and God has brought salvation to the human race. He'd come to the place that said, listen, this is Paul writing. This is a Jew writing. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. Who's it for? Look at verse 13. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is he your Lord or Savior first? The answer is yes. Whoever calls upon the name of the, set with me, from the word. Whoever calls upon the name of the, can you have that in your back pocket? Say, I'll pull that card out later. God forbid. I asked this preacher friend of mine, how do you preach that word? Do you skip over that part of scripture? Do you just kind of turn a blind eye to that? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you're submitting yourself. You're humbled because God has humbled you. You can't be saved just because you want to be saved. You won't make him Lord just because you want to make him Lord because you'll never want to make him Lord. You're a sinful being. You'll always want to do sinful things. What pleases me, what puts me first, that's what you want. That's what I want. But the Bible says God comes to the place. And if you go back and read, he comes and we see, I'm a sinner. I'm a no good sinner. And God, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me of my sins? I'm confessing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive me? At the moment of asking and believing, we come to the place that he says what, church? Yes. 
And then he becomes my Lord because he said so. And then he says he becomes my Savior because he said so. You still see it there in verse 13? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be. Who can save you? Only a Savior. So the Lordship, if you want to put it in order, comes first. Even though my friend is preaching that backwards or opposite or not even existent, Lordship comes first. You will submit to the Lord. Who are you, Lord? What Saul said. I want you to understand today. Listen, and let's keep going. Look at verse 14. This transitions. Paul was, I think this is Paul writing. Of course, the Saul hasn't written this yet. He hadn't come to this place. But it happens next week, by the way. I'm jumping ahead, verse 14. I want to give you a spoiler alert next week. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has, by the way, Isaiah said, Lord, do you get it? Isaiah said, Lord, did Isaiah understand that God was the Lord? He's Old Testament. He didn't have all the knowledge we have today. He didn't have a book that has 66 books in it. He didn't have a library, but guess what? He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God, and he called him Lord, Yahweh, God. He recognized his place, and he recognized God's place. Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17 is very important for us today. Memorize this verse. Put it in your heart. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I watched last week as you, everyone left out of church. I was watching people leave and standing on the porch and out front. And I was just saying to myself, Lord, if we send everybody out as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we would turn Aiken County upside down in less than 30 days. If we told all of our friends that God said, go tell that person, and God said, go tell that person, we would flip Aiken County for Jesus Christ. Is that true? We would come to the place that we would actually learn to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We'd come to that place. Listen, I want you to go back and look. I'm jumping ahead to next week's message because we can't get away from Saul because Saul is spending his days, three days, in Damascus General Hospital. And Wendy told me, don't say that, but I just thought that was funny to say. He had to stay somewhere, right? And might as well be the hospital there on Damascus Road. He had to lay out for three days, fasting, because he, he's thinking, what's he thinking about for three days, y'all? Has God put you there yet? Has God brought you low financially? Has God brought you low in your life where you've been arrested? Has God brought you low where you've had a relationship to go bust? What will it take for God to get your attention? Because listen, God's great grace and mercy can penetrate any human relationship. It can penetrate anything that's going on. But here's the point. God is a gentleman. He is never going to force himself on you. He's going to come to the place heavily and say, listen, follow me. You'll hear it through his word. You'll hear that still small voice. That says, listen, today's the day of salvation. Do you know that you know that you're saved? And when you come to that place, if you can honestly, if your spirit can say with the spirit of God, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded, right? He's going to keep me to the end. That's what Paul said. He said, what can take me? Because listen, <clears throat> might as well do this this morning. Go, I want you to go over Romans chapter, chapter 9. Because I had this conversation this week as well. 
And it blows my mind that there's nobody has, not anyone, listen, there's so many pastors who don't have the assurity of their own beliefs. They don't know what they believe. You can't give out something you don't have. Is that true? If there's a well that's empty, you can't give someone something to drink. People talking about you can lose your salvation. Why? Because I have a desire to go do what I want to go do. There's denominations built on, you better be careful, you can lose your salvation today. Could you imagine that? Standing for a holy God and saying, God, you're not strong enough to keep my sorry self saved, so therefore I have to keep in touch with you on a weekly basis. I have to go and do all this and do this and do this because I am stronger than you. Could you imagine a little man standing up to big God like that? little woman standing up to big God like that? Who are you to God except the chief of his creation? Except the very one that he would send the, the most holy thing in heaven down to die for you? Who does he think you are? He thinks you're cherished. He thinks you're loved. If you come to the place and receive his son Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He thinks a lot about you. He loves you. His mercies even are new, the Bible says, every morning. Watch what he does. Listen, this bothers me so greatly that people talk about losing their salvation. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Listen, when you come to the place, um, excuse me, chapter 8, verse uh, 35. Who can separate you from the love of God? Get this in your head. If you're a young person, get this in your head. Hide this word in your heart because you come to the place that when you sin against God, and there's been pastors I've even seen, I've been in revival services where pastors come forward and say, I was never saved, therefore today I'm giving my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Everyone claps. And then come back the next, I went back the next night saying, wow, God's moving in this place. I went back to a revival service the next night. And the pastor who was the revivalist had a wisdom enough to ask that man, saying that he met with him. And then with the Egyptian church that we work in in Canada, they want to, it's called sit with you. Y'all ever heard that? Pastor, can I sit with you? And I'm like, sure. No, can I sit with you? I don't know what that means. Well, I want this counseling. I want to counsel with you. I want to spend time with you in counsel. Oh, okay, sure, we can sit together. So if you ever hear me mess up and say, I want to sit with you, it means I want to counsel with you, right? I want to talk with you and want you to get your feedback. But all the church cultures, I learned something new. And we come to the place, and listen, when you sit together, what should you have in front of both of you, or all three of you, all four of you, how many there are of you? We should have the Word of God. Come to the place, listen, look at this counsel. Verse 35, Romans eight thirty-five. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, church? Answer me. Shall tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? Riots? COVID-19? Let me keep on going and going, right? There's nothing. Listen, Paul's trying to set us up so we can actually see it here. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, in all things, there's that all things again. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that, I, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's our Lord. He's our Savior and he's our Lord. What can separate you, church, from the hand of God? Nothing. That pastor I was talking about, the revivalist came back and said, listen, he came last night and said he was saved tonight because he was embarrassed that he'd gotten into a sin of pornography. And he didn't want to tell his wife. 
and he didn't want to tell his church, and he didn't want to tell you, so he lied to the body of Christ. So, Pastor, stand here and tell the church. He made him come back and stand before the church. Pastor, you tell the church, you confess to the church that you lied to the church. You confess to the church what your sin is. I've never seen this in my life. The man stood up trembling, and he said, I've been, for years, been caught up in pornography. I didn't want anyone to know I was embarrassed. And so I came forward because I thought it was a way to wash away my sins and start fresh without telling anybody. And he said, I was talking with the pastor. He told me clearly the Holy Spirit knows and you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And then he said, it's none of your business. None of y'all's business. But I want to tell you because he made me. And he walks off the stage. Never seen the man again. Church, listen, is there sin that you're caught up in? Your sin of choice like Paul's was to go chase down the church. Wherever the church might go, people of the way, chase them down. Put him in prison. Try to bring the hurt to the church. That's what he was trying to do. He was a prideful man. Let me ask you this question. Are you a prideful man or woman today? Prideful boy or girl? You come to the place that nobody can tell you what to do. That no one actually can come to the place and speak into your life because you don't want to hear it. Because you know what's best. I want you to see this. Listen, from Saul's word. Listen, go back to the choice narrative. Listen, the tale of two Saul's. Would you read that from your, this is just something I believe God showed me. I've never put this together until I was studying this. Saul of the Old Testament was from the tribe of Benjamin. Did you know that? He was chosen by God to lead the people of God. King Saul bitterly turned his back on God through his sin choices, and he failed the mission God gave him. Would you like that said about you? How'd you end your life? How'd your daddy end his life? How'd your granddaddy end his life? How'd your grandma end her life? Shameful. She failed. Shameful, he failed. Saul committed suicide on the battlefield and died in shame and reproach. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9, read about when he was first the fresh young king. And then go back and read 1 Samuel 31, you'll see he's dying on a hill in battle because he's in a battle he shouldn't have been in. He didn't have the Lord's blessing any longer because he sinned against God so greatly. And God had taken his spirit from him. And the Bible says that Saul commits suicide. He, fall, he asked his armor bearer, kill me. His armor bearer said, I'm afraid I can't do it to the man of God. And I know it was because he was a king and God had appointed. Saul falls on his own sword, commits suicide. His armor bearer commits suicide. And if you read the last bit of in Chronicles, it says, and God took his life. God took his life. So did Saul kill himself or did God take his life? The answer is yes. Because the word says so. So the Malachite that comes up later and says, King David, I killed Saul. He, he was on his sword. I killed him. Because some people say, there's conflict in the Bible. It doesn't agree. He comes up later and says, I killed him. I took his crown and I took his armlets from him. And so I want you to know he's dead. And y'all remember what David, King David, a man of integrity, man full of the Holy Spirit, he, he said, touch not God's anointed. Called one of his servants says, kill this man. Now, the, he, the, the man was lying. The man was, most scholars believe he was just a scavenger that he would just follow the war wherever the war went. And when the battles, when they're chasing off the, the other people, he would just be picking off the dead. He, that, that's what most people believe this man was. He was a liar. And, and David perceived that something was wrong with this man, that he was bragging about killing God's anointed. Even though he didn't do it, because the Bible says he fell, Saul committed suicide. This crazy joker came into the presence of the king, thought he was bragging. David seen through it and had him killed himself. He thought he had the big bonanza, and he ended up getting the edge of the sword himself. So Saul dies, King Saul in the Old Testament dies of shame and reproach. But let's flip to the Saul of the New Testament. He was from the tribe, guess what tribe he was from? The 
Tribe of Benjamin, same tribe, same family, same family group. And the family group, by the way, was divided. You ever read about the tribe of Benjamin? They were told they were warlords, basically, and they were. They were mean to everybody. They punked everybody, even their own Israelite brothers. They came and killed them. If you go back and read, they, they did some really bad stuff to their own brothers. And their own brothers turned on them and almost wiped them completely out. But you know what? The redemption comes through the second Saul. It came through, listen, Saul of Tarshish. Saul was chosen by God to lead the people of God, right? People to God. King Saul was chosen to lead the people for God. Saul's mission's changed a little bit, has it not? The New Testament Saul, I'm going to take you and I'm going to tell you, listen, for all that have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Next person, hey, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. Hey, next person, right? And he goes on and on. What do we preachers preach today? We have no new material just for the record. We preach what God thus saith the word of God. Amen? There's 66 books. When I first became a senior pastor, I'm like, God, 66 books, a couple chapters. I'm going to be done in about three years. How little did I know, how shallow did I know that, listen, how deep and riches are the well of God. But finish this. Saul in humility received and fulfilled his mission from God. Saul finished his race. God has set before him. Philippians 3, 3 through 11. Can we read that just together? Can we go over and look at that? Philippians. Let's just read that so you'll be encouraged today. You can make it, church. Listen, you can do it. With God, listen, all things are possible. Philippians chapter 3, pick up in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. You see him. His chest is bowing out now. He's talking about this. Probably, he's probably talking like this. He's probably bowing up like this, all right? <clears throat> a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish, or your Bible might say of King James, as dung, that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. It didn't come from me, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him, listen to this church, this is for you and me today, listen. That we may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means... I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, listen, who saved me? Jesus saved me. Who sustains me? Jesus sustains me. Who's gonna, who am I going to see in the resurrection? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. When God extends his great grace and mercy to you, receive it humbly. If God's after you, listen, if you're the hunter today and you, all you're doing is prowling around, messing around, God's looking for you. You came to this church today. You're watching my Facebook or social media. Listen, God's looking for you. And God wants you to know that you know that you know that you're saved. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, God wants you to do that today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. 
And if you're listening, if you're a Christian today and you haven't been obedient through believer's baptism, come to the place that you'll say, yes, Lord, I will. Lord, I'll follow you. Wherever you, go, wherever you lead, I'll go. He's not going to lead you somewhere that you won't take the baby steps. You don't get the big steps before the baby steps. You understand? Faithful in little things, and then he gives you more. You're never going to get the more until you do the little. you got to do the little. You don't like it? Take it up with God, but that's his word. Amen? We've got to come to the place. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I've been obedient to be baptized. I follow through because I showed a picture of his death, his burial, his resurrection. And I know that he's leading me because I'm reading his word, and his word is opening up fast as we can read it. And it's so exciting to tell the good news and the good stories and read the old no's and the oh yes. And I read through it and say, God, please, I don't want to be like him. King Saul, I, I want to read his story and remember his story because I don't want to repeat what he did. But the apostle Paul, when Saul transitions to Paul, I want to be like him. Paul even said, hey, follow me. As I follow Christ. Let me ask you this today. If someone was to follow you today, would they follow you straight to heaven singing the songs of glory? Or would they follow you straight to hell singing the oh no's and the woes of life? Listen, you are leaving a legacy today. You are leaving a, listen, you're leaving a trail behind your coworkers, your family, your relationships, your banker, whomever it is you connect with, you are leaving a legacy with somebody. They know you as who you are. Who are you in this life? Are you someone who actually says, listen, I mess up all the time, right? But I'll tell you who I am. I'm a, saved, I'm a saved saint of God because of God's great grace. You know what grace is? I heard Adrian Rogers say it, and he heard somebody else say it. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. Listen, what did you deserve? You know what mercy is? I deserve punishment, death, and hell. That's what Paul and Saul deserved, right? He's, he's punching the... When you mess with God's people, you mess with God. Did y'all know that? Because that's what he said. Listen, he says, why me do you persecute? In the original. He's talking about, listen, when you mess with my people, you mess with me. Could you imagine going into a fight knowing Jesus is standing to your back in the military? We call it our six o'clock. How would you walk today if you know Jesus has got your back? How would you walk? Listen, you know you're going into a war out there. The Bible says, the, Jesus himself said, the world hates me, and if it hated me, it's going to hate you. But Jesus don't just have you at 6 o'clock. You know what he says in the Bible? The Holy Spirit is fully around you and in you. How shall you walk today? Upright and steadfast. I know who I have believed. Listen, you don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with me. Because people say, I don't, Pastor, I don't believe any of that stuff you're preaching. It's not my problem. You know why? Because it's not my words. This comes from the word of God. Our job is to give out, be the messenger, be the evangel, and give the word of God out and let God do the work. Because if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. Is that true? But when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you and you change your life forever, there ain't no taking that back. There's no taking it back. Let me pray for us today. Father God, I thank you so much that you are God, that you're in charge of everything. Father, I do thank you right now, right here, for your great grace, your great mercy. Father, the stories we've read and the stories we've heard and even the stories I told today, Lord, those are sad encounters, some, and some are excited, exciting. Father, those are stories that are real in life that where people have learned from other people's mistakes, and yet people are still making those same old, same old mistakes. And then they'll 
moan and complain that nobody cares and that you don't care. And Father, we know the truth is you do care. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins that we might be saved. Father, would you help us today? Pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.